Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. If you like our podcast, I'd encourage you to check out our website, familybiblejourney.com. That's familybiblejourney, all lowercases, no spaces, dot com, where you can find links to our social, support the ministry, or find other resources, especially if you're journaling with us through the Bible. Thanks for listening. This is Episode 8, Season 1 of the Family Bible Journey New Testament Podcast. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. The title of today's podcast is You Are Blessed. Being one of our shorter readings, we are going to go ahead and read the entire passage today before discussing it. Beginning in verse 1, Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. This is the word of the Lord. This is, of course, one of the most famous passages of all Scripture where Jesus gives us his first extended sermon recorded for us in the New Testament. And actually, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, many regard as a single extended sermon or discourse of Jesus with his disciples up there on the Mount of Beatitudes. We talked earlier about how Jesus had moved his hometown from Nazareth to Capernaum towards the beginning of his ministry. And the traditional Mount of Beatitudes is actually right there, right close to Capernaum on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. It was a place where the Roman road, the, the major highway, the ancient equivalent of our interstate highway system. It went right through that area, and the road would actually uh, split there. You could go from Jerusalem up to Damascus. You could go down to Egypt from this place. And so people were hearing Jesus speak from all over the world, and we can be sure that the gospel message went from this place into all of the kingdoms around Israel at that point in time. And Jesus, as a teacher, took the traditional position or posture of the teacher. We are told that he taught sitting down. And now, St. Luke has much of the same material in a sermon referred to as a sermon in the plain. And this is something that many Bible critics would like to point out and show that there is discrepancies between the scriptural texts. But if you've been to this Mount of Beatitudes, as I've been there many times, what you see is that the mountain there on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee actually presents itself as a beautiful natural amphitheater. And it's almost like a rounded bowl on the western, the southwestern edge of the hill looking down towards Magdala, a natural amphitheater that is created there as the hill levels out and flattens out into a plain that is now covered by a banana plantation. And so if you are looking at this event from the perspective of somebody sitting down in the grass below Jesus, if he was speaking from above, then you would have been in a plain and Jesus would have been up on the mountain. Now, if Jesus was down at the bottom of the hillside and the people were up on the hillside, well, then Jesus would be in the plain and they would be on the hill. But nonetheless, what this shows is that the scripture, even though Matthew described it very differently than St. Luke, is consistent in showing us different perspectives of the same event. 
And in these Beatitudes, what do we learn? We learn that we, as God's people, are blessed. Too many people take the Beatitudes as if-then statements. If you are meek, then you will inherit the earth. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you will be satisfied. If you are merciful, then you will receive mercy. But this is not how the statements are presented to us by Jesus. These are blessings, friend, that God has given you by the power of his Holy Spirit. You are blessed by his Spirit lives in you, which is all of these things. And the blessings that come from these attributes, these characteristics, they flow into us naturally by the work of the Holy Spirit. Sure, that old sinful nature is still within us. Sure, we still struggle with sin and temptation. But the Spirit of God is always living and active inside of us. And he is always encouraging us and leading us in the way that we are called as God's people to walk. And there is great blessing for us in that. There are many eternal and spiritual blessings for us as we seek to put away the old self and put on the new, as St. Paul talks about in his epistles. There is great blessing and benefit to the lives of those around us as we seek to walk in God's way. Being meek, being kind, showing people mercy, joining with those who suffer, joining with the persecuted, joining ourselves with the mourning, because as we lift them up, we are doing the work of the Lord that he has done unto us. And so I look at this passage as a bunch of blessed ours, because these are the gifts of God's Spirit at work in our lives, not if-thens, which puts all of the onus and all of the responsibility on us as God's people. Are we called to live as God directs? Absolutely. But inasmuch as we are able to, it is that faith that he has given us that has worked in our lives that brings this blessed fruit, and we are thankful for that. And I do have, for those of you who are journaling with us, a couple of notes on this particular passage. I do have uh, around verse 3, outlined in red, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because Jesus was impoverished of spirit on our behalf to lift us up into heaven. And so I have it in red there because I see this as the fulfillment of many of the attributes that we see described for us of the Messiah and the promised Savior from the Old Testament. I also have outlined in green verses 10 and 11 that talk about the blessings of being persecuted for Christ's sake. Now, we want to be careful as God's people not to see all suffering as suffering of the cross. No, we suffer for the sake and for the cause of Christ when we are persecuted for doing what is right not what is wrong. When we do what is wrong, we receive consequences that are a just penalty for our sin. When we suffer for doing what is right, well, there is a true earthly and eternal reward in that because we are exhibiting then the very characteristics of Christ Jesus. And then I also have outlined in green, you are the salt of the earth because this is God's work in you. The same word of power, and we're going to talk about this more in our next podcast, the same word of power that spoke all things into existence has spoken to the darkness of your soul, has given birth to the light of Christ, so that now you, my friend, get to shine brightly with his love, imperfect as you may be, as God's Holy Spirit works in you. And there is a wonderful blessing in that. And so there are all sorts of eternal and spiritual blessings found for us in this passage. But I do also want to encourage you that this isn't just a heavenly reality. We don't, as God's people, have to wait until Jesus comes back to receive the blessings of faithfulness and love and mercy and grace. Because when we exhibit those things to others, we, even living in a world full of sinful human beings, tend to get what we give. And this is one of the first words of wisdom sections that I have in the New Testament. And for those of you who are wondering, as we're talking about this whole journaling, what that looks like, I'd encourage you to go to the website, familybiblejourney.com, where you can see a description or examples of them. Also, 
If you subscribe to our social media, just look up Family Bible Journey at Facebook or on Instagram. There you can see that I'll be regularly posting pictures of notes that I've left in the Bible, highlighted sections, different explanations, and different things that go along with our podcast because I want this podcast to be an encouragement and a blessing to you. And as we're going through this podcast, and for those who are actually journaling through the Bible for a loved one, I'm not going to go and tell you exactly how you must do it. Rather, I'm just going to give you examples and applications and things to think about so that as you are reading your Bible and as you are journaling through the Bible for a loved one, that you can have things that you can maybe take from your own life's experience or things to share. But this words of wisdom from chapter 5, verse 7 is you get what you give. Very simple. You get what you give. Now, this isn't like Proverbs. This is an absolute truth, but it is a truism in that it tends, life tends to work this way. And the example I like to use for this is the idea of somebody who has been stuck in an airport. You know, I happen to travel a lot for my work. And so I spend more time than most people in airports. And it is frustrating and it is difficult when the airline schedule doesn't necessarily line up with your schedule. And sometimes things happen. There are mechanical issues. There are delays. You miss a flight, whatever. And it can be really, really hard. And if you've ever been stuck in an airport because a flight was delayed and it wasn't any fault of your own, our temptation the temptation of our flesh is to be angry with the person at the customer service counter who is there literally to help us out. And I've been in this situation before. I've seen people treat the customer service folks at airlines very poorly because they are frustrated, they are mad, they are angry, they feel like somehow they have been wronged. And when you take that anger out on the person who is there to help you, believe it or not, they might start to treat you like you're the problem. Because if you treat them like they're the problem, they're probably going to treat you like you're the problem. And you're not as likely to be taken care of as if you would just be humble and kind and gracious and patient with them because they're actually doing their job because they want to help you. But we forget this sometimes, do we not? We lose sight of that fact and we get tangled up in our anger and our emotions and we begin to treat that person like the problem. And if that happens, then we are often treated as if we are the problem. If instead we check ourselves... And we recognize that God can work through all things, even a missed flight or connection at an airport or an airline for an airline. And we approach this person with a spirit of gentleness and kindness and humility. Well, it is amazing what sorts of things will often open up for you. I've had that experience before where, as again, a seasoned traveler, I had an issue with a flight and there was a lot of flights that were having issues that particular day and the person that was right at the counter right in front of me they just let the person have it and when i got to the counter i just was kind to the attendant and i thanked them for what they're doing and i shared with them my problem and you know what that person got me taken care of it wasn't exactly what i had originally signed up for when i made my reservation but they did everything in their power to help me out and i was blessed by their service, at least in part, because I was a blessing to them and not a curse. Now, it doesn't always work that way, but it definitely tends to go that way. And many of the most successful people that I've ever met, the world would have you believe that it's the the shrewd, the rude, and the inconsiderate who always rise to the top. But the people I know who've been very successful in life, they tend to like other people, they tend to be kind to them. And even Warren Buffett, in in a recent meeting that he had, his annual meeting, He talked about the role of kindness and having friends was so much more important than money. And that guy who has more money than I could ever hope to dare dream about and knows a lot about money and life, I think that he is right in that regard. And so as we think about what it means to be blessed by Jesus and the blessing of his work in our lives, 
I want to encourage you with the good news that you are blessed and that the Holy Spirit is producing this fruit of righteousness in your life. And when we live into that calling that God has given us and we are a blessing to others, then it is a tremendous encouragement to us in our own faith, even as we are an encouragement to others who are walking this earthly road right along with us. For all of you paper people listening, and I expect there are a few of you out there, especially since we are journaling our way through the Bible, if you would like to snail mail a letter or send a contribution, you can find our contact info, including our mailing address, at familybiblejourney.com. Our blessing for today. You are the salt of the earth. Amen.